Good morning, everybody. Welcome into another service with us today. I'm so grateful that you are here to worship together with us. Uh, if you are a guest with us and this is your first time here, my name is Blair, I'm one of the pastors here, and so I'm glad that you are visiting with us and that we get a chance to meet, um, sort of. Uh, no, I'm happy to meet you, I just don't think, you know, I got to meet you. Yeah. Forget it. This morning, we are continuing our series titled Wiser. Um, we've been in this series for the past few weeks, and during that series, we've been looking at significant areas of our lives, trying to look at them to kind of find out how we can maybe be identify ways that we can be wiser in them. Um, but we aren't trying to find worldly wisdom. That's all around us everywhere we go. What we're trying to recognize is godly wisdom and what God says about them. And so far, we've covered three different topics so far. We've co covered work, we've talked about money, and we've talked about marriage. And if you recognize the need for godly wisdom in any of those areas of your life, I'd really encourage you to check out the, uh, the website and see those messages on there. This morning, we're gonna continue that series and we're gonna be talking about being wiser in our words. Um, the Bible is rich with teaching about the importance of words. You can go anywhere in scripture from the Old Testament and the New Testament, you're gonna find a lot of teaching about words. John 1, 1 actually describes Jesus as the word. He says, the, the, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. In Genesis, we see that all of creation was created through words. God spoke, let there be, and there was light. And out of nothing came something. God spoke, let there be, and there were planets and stars. God spoke, and then all of creation existed as a result of God's words. He didn't choose to snap his fingers or to clap his hands. He spoke and words through words. Through the New Testament, through the gospel recordings that record Jesus' life, and as we look at that, look at what Jesus did with his words. Most of his miracles happened as a result of when he spoke. Jesus spoke and lame men walked. Jesus spoke and lepers were healed. Jesus spoke and the storm stopped. Jesus spoke and dead men came out of graves. Except for the occasional spit and mud miracle, all of Jesus' miracles came as a result of his words. It is by believing words and the words of the gospel that we ourselves are saved. The gospel comes to us as an announcement of words. Words about Jesus, announcing to us that he is Lord and that he has accomplished on our behalf all that was necessary for us to be saved. And when we believe the words of that announcement, we were born again in forgiveness and a new life of salvation. The point is, is that God's words are his power. They give life. In the same way, because we are created in the image of God, we also have the ability to speak words. And with that ability comes a lot of power that we need to have godly wisdom on knowing how to handle it. James, the writer of the New Testament book um, by the same name, has a lot to say about the power of our words. And in fact, in at least two of his five chapters, he spends his time focused on what is in the importance of that. But in the very first chapter, he kicks off this way by saying this, check this out. If you claim to be religious, but don't control your tongue, you are fooling yourself and your religion is worthless. 
<laughs> Obviously, James is one of those guys that likes to beat around the bush a little bit before he tells you what he thinks about something, right? He is like, if you claim to be upright, but you don't have control of your words, dude, you are fooling yourself. And everything you do, all the religious things you do, they're worthless. That seems pretty harsh, but I think James is really trying to help us understand that the words we say matter a lot to God. I think we have some categories that we put sin in from time to time, and we put these some sins over here in this big category, like the, the big sins are like murder and adultery and stealing. And then we don't think that much about the things that we say. We don't think that it's that important of what we say or not that big of a deal. They're just words. Interestingly enough, in Proverbs, there's a, there's a verse there that explains um, six things that God detests. Three of the six of them have to do with our tongues or our words. Finish this sentence for me. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Whatever. Does anyone really believe that? Dude, words are powerful. They affect us. Things that were said to us when we were growing up impacted us and set a course for our life in such a way. Words have the ability to actually shape us. The words we say and the words we let in. I heard a man say this week, he said, the most people tend to become what the most influential person in their life said they would become when they were younger. The person I am today, the person you are today, is most likely the sum of the total words and the relationships of what people who spoke to us as we were growing up that influenced us, whether they were positive or negative. If you had parents that told you you could do anything you wanted to do when you grew up, you probably are a person who believes that now and throughout your life you even tried things, even if they were tough, you tried them anyway. The opposite of that, if you didn't have people who were positive, but the, everybody around you always told you you were good for nothing, then probably what you did was you didn't try very hard and actually they, were, they, they succeeded in their words. But either way, the course of our lives was set by the words we received and the words we spoke and the words we're speaking right now. We're gonna be in the James chapter three this morning. If you wanna turn in your Bibles there, we're gonna be learning some things this morning that, J J that James teaches us about our words. And here's the first one, and if you're a note taker, you can jot this one down. It says this, that my words will determine my direction. In James three, in verse three, James starts with using these two metaphors, starting in verse three, to describe how words do just that. Look at this, if we put small bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also, though they are also so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. He says, think about these massive horses that are, that are out there that are controlled by this little tiny bit that you put in their mouths. You can make this big animal do whatever you want it to do 
And I don't know how many of us have spent that much time around horses. My dad actually owned a few horses at one point, and every once in a while I'd go with him and feed the horses. And if you're not familiar and you just see them on TV, they're massive, and when they decide they wanna move somewhere, you don't wanna be in their way. But this verse here is teach, telling us about the fact that if you put this small bit in their mouth, you can actually control the horse however you want it to go. Or think about ships. He says, think about humong these humongous vessels that carry cargo and tons of people and are being guided by just this little flap on the back of it. And it can move the whole ship and guide it wherever it goes just by this little small thing that's on the back of it. And the whole ship moves as the pilot directs it. James is saying that our tongue or the words we say that come out of it control our whole body. And because they're power, there is power in the tongue. The words we say and the words we receive, they shape us. With the tongue, our whole life can be directed. I remember some words that actually directed my life when I was growing up. I went to this really small church. Um, everybody knew everybody because there were only like 15 of us there. So everybody knew everybody. And I remember this one Sunday morning, these two older ladies came up to me and they were just telling me how wonderful I was and how proud of me that they were and how I must lead such this wonderful life outside of church. And I let those words actually steer me they didn't actually know that much about me. They didn't know what I was like outside of church. They didn't know what I was doing in my life. But the words they said influenced my life in a pretty crazy way that day. I gave my life over to God to say, you can do whatever you want with my life from here on out. And through the power of the tongue, the course of my life was actually set. See, because words, they have the power to determine our direction. But also, the second thing is that Words can actually destroy what I have. James says it this way. He says, so also the tongue is small. It's a small member, yet it can do great things. It can boast great. It can give great speeches. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, on set on fire by hell. Whoa, <laughs> right? Uh, I feel like James just went completely in a different direction here all of a sudden with that. In, in one verse, he's talking about how we can actually take control of a big old animal or take control of this big old ship. Um, and now it's like that it, that it just does damage to everything. Like we need to get rid of it. Like we need to circle up a band of hobbits, grab all these tongues out of everybody's mouth and take them to Mordor and throw them away. But these small little things that are causing damage, they can cause so much damage. He compares it to this little fire destroying the whole forest. I was actually reading about a forest fire this past week and it was the, the forest fire in California and that was known as the Ranch Fire. And I don't know if you're familiar with it, but over 400,000 acres of land was devastated as a result of this huge devastation caused by this forest fire. The California fire team who investigated it tried, went for weeks trying to figure out what the, what the cause of the fire was. And they had determined, check this out, that the fire started as a result of a hammer on a metal tent, pet, a metal tent stake hitting into the ground. And as a result of it, a spark came off of it, lit up a bunch of brush, and the fire started as a result of it. 
This tiny little spark caused a huge fire that caused major destruction. The action took less than a second, bink, and massive things happened as a result of it. And that's what James is actually comparing our tongues to here. He says, with less than one second action, little words come out of our mouth and they can cause major destruction. My, dwer- my words drift over here to this group of people, which starts a fire, and then their words drift over to this group of people and it starts a fire. And before you know it, the whole place is on blaze. Little words have lit the whole place on fire. If you've lived through your teenage years, you know what this is like. Someone says something about someone who then goes to tell someone else about this something and then goes back to the person that it was said about and everything is lit on fire. Everybody's angry at everybody and everything is happening. But this didn't stop when we grew up. Unchecked tongues are still causing fires all the time. We just don't go to the same school and we don't see each other every day. I think if you were taking anything home with you today, any note that you could take today, this is what you need to know. It would be to recognize the power that's in the tongue. Because we're just letting these sparks out left and right all over the place and we're not even really aware of what's happening with them. We live in a culture that actually encourages that, right? Comment here your thoughts about this. Comment below any opinions you have. Comment here, comment there. Everything we do is being told to make comments about it. We live in a time when we are being encouraged to say everything or anything about everything. But that isn't what godly wisdom says. James actually says that be slow to speak, quick to listen. Or I like how the, the Proverbs say it here. It says, when words are many, sin is unavoidable. Be smart and keep your mouth shut. Man, some of us need to put that one on our refrigerator right there. If you're getting bumped right now on the, with an elbow, don't knock it away. Take that as encouragement. It's really helpful. My wife has a softer translation of this verse that she says. But she says, when words, are, or, uh, when words are many, sin is not absent, but he who keeps his tongue is wise. She's been saying that over our family for lots and lots of time. Because uh, I'll let you in on a very poorly kept secret. In the Hayes home, we got some talkers. Not one, not two, not three, not four, but all five of us have what's known as the gift of gab and we exercise our gifting very well in our house. We talk everywhere, all the time. There is always talking going on. There is talking going on in our house, in our car, on the back porch, in restaurants, in the shower. It never stops, ever, ever does it stop. It is always going on. And so as a result of that, I very much know a lot about what this idea is. Um, I feel like I can actually say that I am an expert on what it means to have too many words. And I can attest to the fact that sin is unavoidable, obviously, as a result of it. Isaac wants to be heard, and if people aren't listening, then he starts yelling and getting mad, pride and anger. 
if Jonah runs out of things to talk about but still wants to have the attention, he starts talking about someone else, gossip. My story isn't quite so interesting, so I had just a few extra details, lies. Mom didn't make what I wanted her to make, so I start complaining and say how awful she and this meal is, disrespect and ungratefulness. Jonah hit Abby with one of his toys accidentally, complaining and fighting. Abby wants me to punish him, unforgiveness. It happens quick, but when words are many, sparks start flying and sin is actually unavoidable. They can be destructive and they can remove the peace that's in our lives, in our homes, in our marriages, in our work, in our community, even in our church. So when we don't take these things very serious, when we just allow our words to just come out, these things spread and they have the ability to literally ruin our lives. And if you wanna have wisdom in this area, the Bible says that we need to limit the amount of words we have. Mark Twain actually had a great quote about limiting words, look at this one. It's better to keep your mouth shut and appear stupid than open it and remove all doubt. The third thing that our words do is my words always reveal my heart. James goes on here and he says, with it, our tongue, we bless our Lord and Father and with it, our tongue, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things uh, ought not be so. James is saying here that doesn't make any sense. How in the world could that even be possible that things come from the same place? These things don't even match each other. The same mouth does both of those things. I don't think that works. works. So he goes on to try to explain it. Does a spring, this is an important word, hold this word, does a spring pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt spring yield fresh water. See, the word there, spring, is very important. It matters a lot because throughout Scripture, springs are used always as a metaphor for our heart, the center place of where things come from. What he's saying here, he's saying is that the real problem, as gross as your tongue might be, isn't actually the real problem. The real problem isn't my tongue, it's my heart. When the words, they come out of my mouth, they come from somewhere, like when you think about a well, when the bucket goes down into the well, it can only pull up what's down there already. It can't pull up salt water if it's a freshwater well. Neither can good words come out of a bad heart. So when I open my mouth, you're going to know what's in my heart. And if you're here today and you're someone um, who maybe has a lot of filthy language or you're critical all the time or you're the kind of person who's a complainer with your words, then don't just work on the things with the tongue. You have to actually let God come and look inside your heart a little bit, which is good because he does make changes. See what James says right here. Back in verse seven, he says, for every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil, full of deadly poison. Men have been able to tame every kind of creature. Go to a circus and watch 
how they can make an elephant or a lion do exactly what they want them to do. These scary animals that can rip people apart in the jungle, you can maybe tame them. And in fact, it says they have been tamed, but no human being has ever been able to tame the tongue. This one you can't do on your own. This one takes God. Left to deal with it on our own, it actually says that it's a restless evil full of deadly poison. So what can we do about it then? I wanna give you three things this morning that we need to do. This is, though, transformational work. I could have given you a list of things that were helpful and that we could try to do and that we could put in place, or we can go after a changed life. So I'm gonna give you those this morning. So the first thing I have to do is I have to allow, I have to allow, I have to allow God to change my heart. The writer of Hebrews said, for this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my laws into their minds and I will write them on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. I will put my laws in their minds. I will write them on their hearts. You know what this is talking about? You know what this is about, right? This is actually, he's talking about the work of the Holy Spirit. What the Holy Spirit is gonna do when he comes into our lives. The change that happens when he enters in. When God knocks on the door of our lives and we say, go on in. Change anything you want. You're welcome, you have access to all the rooms of my heart. We no longer produce the fruit that we see that the world has. We no longer look like selfish, pride, greed. The Holy Spirit's in there and all of a sudden things get transformed and my heart becomes completely different. Now it can produce his fruit. That's love and joy and peace, patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. So now when the bucket goes down, it actually goes down into a new well. The second thing we can do is that we need to protect our well once we have got this new well. And so what we need to do is put a filter on what I allow in my heart. Proverbs says, above all else, more important than anything else, over everything else that you can think of, above all things that you think about, above everything you do, guard your heart. For everything you do or say flows from it. Above everything you do, guard your heart. Everything that you will say or do is going to come as a result of what is flowing out from my heart. Make sure you have something protecting the top of it, something protecting the top of this well so stuff isn't getting down there and polluting that well. Because when the bucket goes down, it can't decide what to pull up, only what is down there already. Matthew 12 says it this way, for out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. A good man brings good things out of what of the good stored up in him, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. I think for a lot of us, this is where we jump off. This might be the place that we say, I can't go that far. It seems a little overboard with this stuff. Blair, I don't really wanna limit what I do at all. 
And really, we don't really want to establish these kinds of boundaries or limits on ourselves. We just want to do what we want to do and hope everything works out just fine. Like, I don't want to filter the things that I'm watching on TV. That's, I'm, I'm not a child. Okay. So out of what is stored up in me, the mouth speaks. I don't want to limit the conversations I'm having with my friends. They're really, really interesting, and I'm finding all kinds of stuff out about the neighbors as a result. Okay, but what is stored up in me out of the mouth speaks. My dad yelled at the referees, and I will too. They deserve it. They should have made better calls. Okay, but out of what is stored up in me, the mouth speaks. If we want to tame the tongue, we have to filter out the evil. But we also need to let in the good. The Apostle Paul tells us what to look for when we're looking for the good. He says, and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts. Fix them. Focus on. Fix your thoughts. Think about these things. Meditate on these things, on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. He says, we aren't only trying to keep things out, we're also making sure to put some things in. Remember, it's a filter, not a cover. We're not trying to cover our well so that things don't get into our heart, we're trying to filter them. We need to meditate on the good things so they get stored up in us as well. Filter out the negative and allow in the good, which Paul says are the things that are true and right, honorable, pure, and lovely. He says, take some time each and every single day to meditate on these, to allow these things to get stored up in our heart so that when the bucket goes down, it pulls them out instead. There are ways we can do it. You guys are doing it this morning I will make it a priority in my schedule to come on Sunday mornings to hear God's word taught. So, out of what is stored up in me, my mouth will speak. I will commit to doing the God time cards every morning with my kids, or I will challenge my teenagers to grab the student Devo. So out of what is stored up in them, the mouth will speak. I will circle up with my guys and we will hold each other accountable to scripture memory. So out of what is stored up in me, my mouth will speak. After we allow God to change our hearts and we put a filter on what we allow in our hearts, we then need to decide to speak words of life. Proverbs reminds us that death and life are in the power of the tongue. We've read all about the destructive power of the tongue and we've talked about that this morning and we know the damage it can cause. But Solomon reminds us also that there is the power of life in the tongue. God did give us the ability to speak and he's called us to that. Disciples are identified as ambassadors of Jesus. 
and we're to go into the world with his good news. Proverbs 16, 24 says, gracious words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the body. See, it doesn't take a lot of words, but deciding to speak the right words are the important thing. So this morning for the last few minutes that we're here together, I wanna give us kind of a helpful acronym as we think about the words that we want to be able to say and the ability to speak life-giving words to people. And before we open up our mouths, that we let the right words come out. And maybe you've seen this before and it can be very helpful, but the idea is that we need to think before we speak. And so we start with the first letter here is T, is it true? If what I'm getting ready to say isn't true, I just don't say it at all. That should be the first filter in our lives and the first filter with our tongue that if it, this isn't true, then I'm not even gonna keep this one, I'm just gonna toss it in the trash and let it go. On a side note, if someone is talking into your life and they're saying something to you and it's not true, and I mean like in view of what God would say is true, we need to let that one go as well and just put that one right in the trash as well. The second thing is, if it's true, is it also helpful? There are some things that are true that are not really that helpful, you know? Like, dang, you're getting old. <laughs> it, it, it might be true, but it's not that helpful to hear at this point in our, in our time. If you get asked, is my butt big in this dress? Make sure it's helpful. Because <laughs> it might not be helpful for you later. Is it true? Is it helpful? The third thing we need to know, is it inspiring? Ephesians 4, 29 says this, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. I think a lot of times we know exactly where we're at. We know the stuff that's in our life. We know who we are. Most people do. They already know what's going on in their life. Everyone knows who they are. We need to hear who we can become. And so when Jesus puts the life-giving words in you. And when you store up the good and the good out of the mouth speaks, then we can see transformational change as a result of it. In says, is it necessary? Proverbs told us that when many words are present, sin is unavoidable. And so I need to recognize that it might get through the true and it might get through the helpful and it might get through the inspiring, but is it necessary in this moment? Because with words, there's a, there's a when and there's a where, you know? That there are right times to talk about certain things and then there are wrong times to talk about certain things. 
Sometimes if you are in the middle of a fight with your spouse, it is not the right time to bring something up. Mainly because it's gonna cause bigger fight and two, it will have no impact, so it's really not helpful. And so we need to figure out when these words need to come out of our mouth and we need to determine, is it necessary? Or in our conversations around the church, Chad gave us a message uh, months ago talking about buckets. And if you were here, it's really helpful because we need to identify whether things are bucket one issues or bucket five issues. Because if they're bucket five issues, we don't even need to worry about them. Just let them go. They're not even necessary to get into a conversation about. If they're a bucket one issue, they're important for us understanding who Jesus is and what Jesus did and what our lives can be like with Jesus, they're worth talking about and they're necessary. If they're a bucket two thing, the possibility that scripture is very, very clear on them, like how are we supposed to use our words, then we need to have a conversation about them. But if they're a bucket five issue, and all they're doing is causing division, then they're not necessary at all. We can just let them go. Because when words are many, sin is unavoidable. Even when you're with a bunch of other Christians. So we have to ask ourselves, is it true? Is it helpful? Is it inspiring? Is it necessary? And the last kind of thing we look at is, is it kind? Can I say this with kindness? If this doesn't have love or gentleness with it, I should just hold it to myself. If I can't say it with love and kindness, then it's not worth saying. I think if we can think before we speak, then I'm pretty confident that we can be the life givers that God has called us to be. Let me pray for us this morning. God, you are awesome and you have given us so much. We have life as a result of what you did for us on the cross. Through the words you spoke, you brought life into us. Through the words that we have as a result of the gospel, our lives could be transformed. And also God, you've called us to be image bearers of you. And as a result of bearing your image, we have the ability to speak and we have the ability to give life or death with the words that we say. God, I pray that in our hearts today that we would recognize the power that we have in the tongue and the ability we have to either give life or give death in situations. God, I pray that you would transform our heart though because what we come out of our mouth really is just a representation of what's in our heart, God, and we want our hearts to be changed. And so I pray that for us as we take next steps. I pray that, God, we would allow you into the places of our heart and to make changes there in ways that we cannot. We have no ability to tame the tongue We have no ability to change our own heart, and so we give it over to you this morning, God. Take this area of words to help us recognize the need for you as a savior and as Lord of our life, God, that we might be able to be life givers. Thank you for this moment. Thank you that your word impacts us every day, and as a result of that, we can be transformed and changed. God, I pray for the filters that we put on us, I pray that we would be willing to take those steps in our life today. I pray that we would be willing to cut things out to allow room for more good things to come in. So out of what is stored up in the hearts of people of River Ridge Church, that we would speak and we would speak life into people's lives. We want to be a church that goes out into this world and to to share the goodness of what your kingdom is all about. And we want them to know who the Lord is. And so allow us to speak that way and not the other words to 
crowd out what is good and life-giving. Thank you for your love on us. We love you, God. Amen. Hey, that's gonna conclude our services this morning. So glad you joined with us today. Tomorrow's big kick and we're excited to get kicked off there. If you're a coach and you haven't been to the coaches meeting last week, then it's at 11 o'clock today. Make sure you head up there in the conference room in the offices. We'll see you tomorrow. Have a great week.